You're listening to Time Out with Jen and Lisa, a podcast where we talk about what matters most, sports. Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Time Out with Jen and Lisa. Uh, we are excited for this week. We took a little bit longer this week. I'm not really sure why we took longer this week, but we definitely took a little longer this week to get all of our stuff together. Allergies. Yeah, <laughs> allergies. Allergies are bad here in New Jersey, so we've been suffering. Um. Anyway, so this is episode 18. Wow. Uh, we are going to talk about the NCAA championship. The final four has completed shockers in both men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to hit on the WNBA draft, which is coming up like next end week. Of April. Okay. End of April. Is it next week? End of April? Somewhere. It's Somewhere very, very soon. Second year in a row virtual. Second year in a row. It's going to be a virtual draft. We're going to hit on the NFL because the draft is coming up very soon and there's been some moves this past week. Major League Baseball. Uh, Of course, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball because, you know, baseball is starting and or has started and we are in our first full week of baseball and the NHL. So we've got quite a hodgepodge of things to talk about this week. Uh, I'm your host, Jennifer Fink, and with me is the great... Lisa Porcello. Yes, she is the great Lisa Porcello with her 18 pages of notes to my two. <laughs> and she's very, very thorough. I hope that you all enjoy her thoroughness. Um, I do because it makes the conversation fun. And let's kick it off with the NCAA championship and the final four for basketball uh, division one. Neither one of us predicted the outcome. I, I don't think I think 99% of America didn't predict the outcome. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing I just want to kind of bring up a little bit. Um, we were almost right on UCLA <laughs> and Arizona. We were like, watch UCLA win. Uh, for, so for the men's tournament, you know, we, we had a, a Gonzaga had quite a bit of a game against UCLA with a buzzer beater at the end, mm-hmm. the very end of regulation. I thought for sure that game was going to go into overtime and UCLA really just shut them down down like their defense was just stifling mm-hmm. and uh Baylor really handled Houston pretty easily in in the first game but I, I gotta tell you I think Baylor took a note out of the UCLA book I would agree with that to see how to stop Gonzaga's offense from just taking off I was really really surprised at the UCLA game and I was surprised really surprised at the Baylor game um it's you know Baylor just completely outplayed them. Completely outplayed them. Oh, well, I, I mean, the Gonzaga never once led in that game. Right. Right. It's the first time since 2014 that a team has led from the jump ball to the buzzer. Wow, look at you with the trivia. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I, I I'm, got I'm another, trying to catch up to you a little bit. I got another piece of trivia. All right, let's go. So Gonzaga became the first undefeated team since Indiana State in 1979. Yes. To enter the title game and lose. Who did they lose to? Pushing undefeated teams to the national championship to 7-3 all time. Who did they lose to? Uh, They, you know, Michigan State. Michigan State. Yay, <laughs> Michigan State. They lost to Michigan State in 1979. And the last time that an undefeated team has won the national title was 1976. Yes, and it was Indiana. And where did they play? I don't know. Our beloved Spectrum in Philadelphia. Oh, that's, that's not beloved to me. <laughs> oh. 
It's a pretty historic area. I mean, come it on. Is. Rocky was filmed there. In I'm the a New York sports fan. I know, but Rocky was filmed there. How can you, like, not well, like that? I got more for you. Oh, let's go. So, they're now one of several great teams that were dominant and went undefeated and were unable to win the championship. Jeez. 1991, UNLV. Yep. 1999, Duke. Mm-hmm. 2015, Kentucky. There you go. So now they join that group. Yeah, that sounds like a uh, a crappy group to be a part of. Not one that I, I think has happy reunions. Um, <laughs> that's that's just my guess. But uh, it's a really rare occurrence, you know. And, and with Baylor winning, it's the first title for Texas since 1966 with the te- Texas Western Miners. Yep. Who won it. Uh, but yeah, I, I was totally floored by the UCLA game. Totally floored by the Baylor-Gonzaga game. It was quite a spectacle it was it made you know we've had this whole year of not having you know this type of a a tournament going on it's been two years since we've crowned the national champion for basketball in in any division so it was nice it was nice that there was a a bit of an upset and a bit of a an unpredictable you know final four I mean I I still UCLA that game UCLA should have won that I mean back to the Gonzaga uh, Baylor game I mean, Gonzaga's offense this season was just, if you say one word, historic. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, Dominant. Yeah. But then you look at their stats in the championship game, and they finished 25 of 49 from the floor, 5 of 17 from the three-point range. So they were almost 50, they were over 50% from the floor, and they were 5 for 17 from three-point. So that's like 30%. Yeah, which is lower. That's than really normal. low for and, them. And I think, I think a lot of credit has to go to Baylor as they came out as the aggressor from the first from minute the to the last minute. From the tip. And, and they hit, I think, 10 threes on the night. Yeah. And four of those 10 came in the opening 10 minutes. Yeah, they were really impressive. I was... Um... I was I was pleasantly surprised by by Baylor's ability to just take over and and never relinquish control. Like they had the control for the entire game. Absolutely, it and was a boring game actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Baylor took eighteen more shot attempts than Gonzaga total, and they grabbed sixteen more offensive rebounds. Yeah, than that's Gonzaga. the key: the rebounds. Rebounds wins championships for sure. I thought it was defense wins championships. Well, defense and rebounds, they both win championships. <laughs> But yeah, I I was really really surprised by by that Baylor game and and they just looked like the national champion. They were really peaking at the right moment. And what I thought was interesting was that uh, did you know Gonzaga pre ordered champagne? Oops. Yep. So Baylor Baylor was like, screw that, we're gonna take over, and they did. They took over. They took over for the whole game. I really think though the key to Baylor and winning this championship is um, 2003. They introduced their new head coach uh, Scott Drew. And he came to the basically the first press conference he gave. He said that we're going to win the NCAA championship. There you go. And, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, that's a pipe dream. Mm -hmm. You know, how is that going to happen? I think Baylor was coming off of like a pretty bad scandal. Um, I think there was like a murder. (laughs) Another player had murdered a player. I remember that. They hadn't had a winning record in years. I Um, remember that. You know. And five years into his coaching, they made the tournament, which was the first step. Elite Eights in 2010 and 2012. 
a final four and then a national championship in 2021. That sounds pretty good. So he's done a great job with the program, obviously. uh, Yeah. And and I think you've got to look at this being one of the most successful rebuilds in college basketball. I agree. But what I like is the fact that Baylor gave him a chance. Like they Mm -hmm. gave him time. Like he was almost 20 years. Yeah. He was hired in 2003. And that's what they need to do. I feel like not just college basketball, but I feel like a lot of professional and college teams don't give their coaches time. I agree. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with hiring a coach and then firing him at the end of the season because there's a losing record. I I think a lot of teams should take note of what Baylor did. I think it's important that, that teams, any team, college, pro, high school, whatever, now, does any Scott, team give their coaches does Scott Drew stay or does he get recruited by the I'm NBA? I'm sure he's <laughs> going to be recruited, but I got to tell you, I, I, I hope he does stay. I think it's good for Baylor. I mean, you know, they've had a few scandals, not just with basketball, but with football as well. I think it's good. I think it's good for them. It's good for them that he's there. Yeah. And, and they really, they, they shocked everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you and I both had Gonzaga winning. I didn't think anybody could beat Gonzaga. After watching Gonzaga's offense and, uh, yeah, I, I did not see. I didn't see that at all. No. I didn't see it coming. But Baylor figured it out. And I think you're right. I think they did take a cue from UCLA. Yeah. I mean, UCLA, <laughs> I couldn't get over. I was like, my God, they're just stifling the guards. Like, that's all they did. And then Baylor did the same exact thing. And just, it, I guess, you know, Gonzaga couldn't get lucky twice and couldn't, you know, Baylor is a better team than UCLA. And I think that was the difference. I think there's, there, you know, UCLA had a lot of opportunities to really kind of take well, that game, the and they couldn't. UCLA had the defense. I don't know if they had correct top tier offense. They didn't, which Baylor had. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I agree. That's yeah. That that's where I was kind of getting, you know, in okay. a roundabout way. You right. know, well, I just I was going around the took block you the three straight times. path. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Just You're go welcome. straight through. You know, line line of least resistance. Yeah, straight down. Well, usually I'm the one that's all over the place. And <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was definitely. Uh, definitely a, a good game it was it was fun it was kind of fun to america see needed it uh, yeah. we needed it yeah uh, we did. you know uh, this has been uh, let's face it this has been a rough year yep um and after going through a year without any sports yep it's nice to have sports yeah it is nice so to have welcome sports. distraction and this tournament was a really welcome di- distraction with all of its upsets and uh, you know for men and women for men and women mm-hmm. um so They've already, William Hill, you know, the famous bookmakers, playmakers, they've already come out with their 2022 prediction to win the tournament. Who? Do you want to take a guess? No. (laughs) I have no idea. Gonzaga. Really? Yes. Early odds from William Hill Sportsbook have Gonzaga at plus 700 to take the Do they really think that they're going to stay? Those players are staying. Edging out who else, the same team that just sent them packing. The Baylor Bear Bears have the second best odds in the field at plus eight fifty. Now Gonzaga's getting a bunch of good recruits, so I think that's what they're going on. Now, no. what's interesting is there's a big gap between Gonzaga and Baylor and the rest of the field who are in the running. Uh, Michigan, Duke, UCLA fall in the next tier of contenders, um, and Michigan leads the pack at plus twelve hundred. I could see Michigan. Followed by plus fifteen hundred for Duke and plus sixteen hundred for UCLA, Kansas, Florida State, and Kentucky. I don't see Duke. I see Michigan. If they stay. 
That's what it's all going to come down to. But it also is, it comes down to recruits. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I know I Gonzaga know. has got, I think they're getting like the number one touted recruit in the yeah, country. Freshmen. I think that plays a big part. It does, but. I don't know. I, I, I just, see it as, I, I, I don't know. I'm not buying well, it. Well, they are the early favorite 2022. So if you, you know, don't go by us, please, because we were both wrong for we were very this wrong. year. But if you want to put money on a team. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe put it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't on. put it on Gonzaga or Baylor. Maybe put. Michigan. Five bucks on UCLA. Yeah. Because <laughs> that might turn into, let's see, it's a uh, plus 1600. So I don't know how. Oh, that that's all, a lot. Yeah. That works out. But just a thought. Maybe yeah. put $5 on UCLA. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't know. I, I mean, here's I the other thing. Gonzaga, maybe some of the, I mean, are the guys they have, the three top guys they have, are they, they're seniors, right? Doesn't matter if they are or not, they're going into the draft. No, but I what I'm saying is if they're not seniors, then maybe they want another chance. I don't think so. Well, money, 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 money. They've got money. good guys on the bench, and they've got some top recruits coming I know. in. I just so. don't. I don't know. I don't see it. Well, I think. I think you know. Last year was their chance, and I really thought this year was their chance Gonzaga. for sure, Gonzaga. Mm. But I don't. I don't see it happening. I don't know. I think you got to look but, out for Houston. Next yeah, year, Houston, Houston could UCLA be good. UCLA next year, although Michigan, Houston, Houston's not even mentioned in. Well, I think they're losing everybody. I yeah, think they were a pretty uh, loaded uh, veteran team. And Florida State, the bane of Duke. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can never rule out Florida State. I don't care what anybody says. You can never rule them out. I think they're all they're always in there as a contender. No UNC. That's okay. Uh, that's well, fine for by you. Me. That's okay. Yeah. Um. Good with that. I yeah. don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think it's way too early to. Call. I love how they've already come out with the odds. Yeah, like, and how these, they, these how came they do out that? like the beginning of the week. I, these didn't just come out. Like these came out like the day after the tournament. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, they did actually. Tuesday morning. Here are the odds for the 2022 yeah. championship. I mean, I, I I don't know. With college sports, it's just so hard to predict because you just don't know who's staying and who's going. Also, sports is probably one of the most unpredictable things. Any in the given Sunday. Yes, just or go Monday. watch that movie. <laughs> All right, should we switch over to the women's tournament? Yeah. I mean, Arizona. Three amazing games. Three amazing games. South Carolina-Stanford kicked off the evening. And what what I really thought should have been the national title game, I felt that South Carolina and Stanford both got screwed by being on the same side of the bracket for the Final Four. Um, I think they were trying to line up a Stanford-UConn, South Carolina-UConn game. It didn't happen. Um, <laughs> didn't happen. Uh, the Stanford-South Carolina game, man, what a game. It was It was tight for the whole way. Mm -hmm. the, the entire game was tight, and South Carolina had a chance to win that game with the buzzer sounding and it was a missed layup and then a just a missed rebounded shot that just bounced off the back of the iron and Stanford went on. I mean, they really survived a scare from South Carolina. I know you had South Carolina winning and honestly that game could have gone either way. I mean, if well, you know, <laughs> here's the thing, South Carolina, I think I picked them a year too early. They are very uh, they're, young. They're young. And I, I, maybe next year uh, they win the championship. Did odds come out on the women? No, of oh, course not. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, I agree. South maybe Carolina next, next year, year. But unfortunately, they're going to face the juggernaut of a young UConn team oh, that is it. all coming back next year as well. Plus, And they're angry. 
they're angry, and um, <laughs> they landed the number one player, high school player in the Easy country. Fun. Man, that kid. Whew. Yeah. That kid's awesome. So I, I think I was a year too early on South Carolina. You know, I, I think, I don't think Don Staley could have coached a better game. I just think it, seriously, it, it was just the, the masters of chess. Like, Tara Vanderveer and Don Staley, two very well-respected coaches in the game. They respect each other. To, to the hills like for for sure they they really respect each other don staley played under tara vanderveer played against tara vanderveer and played <laughs> against tara vanderveer played um has coached against tara vanderveer yeah. has coached with tara vanderveer <laughs> so I, I feel like they have a very strong relationship they're two really strong female coaches outstanding role models tara vanderveer is the winningest coach in women's basketball history um she's ahead of Pat Summit. She's ahead of Gina Ariema. She's ahead of Vivian Stringer. Just incredible coaching. Well, and I like. Um, they were talking about uh, the announcers who obviously know Tara Vanderveer. We're talking about how she runs her team, and she likens it to an orchestra. And I love this and analogy. That every person is an instrument, and all those instruments come together to make beautiful music. So uh, that's kind of a great way of looking at it. That you have your integral piece to. Um, you know, making that piece of music that they all come together. Yeah. And I, I, like I kind of like that idea. It's very clean, uh, you know, and that's how they play. They play a very clean, very classic uh, style of basketball. I mean, technically I, yeah. they're superb. They're sort of like the uh, London Philharmonica. And, <laughs> um, you know, that's, and it comes together to make beautiful music. And yeah. that's how they won this tournament. Absolutely. They, they, it was a total team effort for Stanford. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing that, you know, South Carolina was the same way, though. It was a total team effort. Every single player contributed to that game. It seriously was just the ball hitting the back iron versus going into the net. I and, mean, and, it was and South Carolina two inches from, from South Carolina going on to the championship game. I think they play a, a different style, too. Like, they play more like Don Staley played in college, fast, aggressive, um, always going for the ball. I, I see, you know, that's how they played. And they just could not rattle Stanford. No. So Because I, whenever somebody was shut down, another person stepped absolutely. up. And that's the whole Orchestra. battle of the chess, you know, and the battle of the minds. And so. then, then we come to my new favorite team, Arizona. We, Arizona, you know. They are just, they just play with so much joy, so much fearlessness. And I think that's what made their tournament run so much fun to watch. It was. And I, I think I said in the, in the, in our, well, I did say in our podcast last week that Arizona could cause problems for UConn. And I was a doubter. I, I admit, I was because a they're so fast and they're aggressive. Mm-hmm. And UConn just doesn't play against teams like that on, on enough of a basis, and especially this year with COVID, without the ability to go play, you know, your they did play Tennessee, but they didn't play as many top tier teams as they usually do in a year, and that's because of of COVID. It, would it have changed the outcome of this game? Absolutely not. Well, it also is because they went from one week conference to another week conference. Yeah, and I, I we've I, talked about this a lot. How yeah. the conferences absolutely play a big part in in how far you go in a tournament run. But I I went into this game sort of expecting okay, if Arizona can start can can rattle them early, 
Arizona's got a chance to win this game, and that's exactly what they did. They went off on a 6-0 um, run to start the game, and then UConn came back. UConn took the lead, then Arizona took the lead. I think there were four lead, four or five lead changes in the game. It was just an incredible display of how Arizona's grit mm-hmm. just never stopped. And they never got rattled. Artie and McDonald had 26 points in that UConn game. And she was like triple teamed. She was like time. triple teamed. Triple teamed. And that all goes to their coach, Adia Barnes. Former Arizona player when Arizona was was really good in the 90s, 90s, early 2000s. They were very, very good. And it was because of her. Went on to a nice pro career in the WNBA and then also overseas. Came back, was an assistant coach, and then... To, at um, Washington, I at think. Washington, yeah. then took the Arizona job. And her passion and her emotion is what made that team go as far as they did this year and make and, and beat UConn. I mean, I, I honestly think that. You know, and there was a big... I don't want to say controversy, and I'm glad that this has kind of faded away. But post game, she was very emotional with her team in the post game huddle. I wrote a blog on it, and it is just refreshing to me to see the raw emotion from coaches and from players when it's it's positive. I'm not talking raw emotion of throwing chairs across the court. I'm talking encouragement, and you know, people doubted us and inspiration, th- that inspirational, raw emotion that is just so important, I think. And it is, and it's a bit lacking in the women's game because I think there's <laughs> just this whole like, you know, there's still this stereotype that women need to behave well, a certain way. I also think in the women's game, a lot of the top coaches are old. I agree. I mean, Adia Barnes brings in a nice youthful element yep. into coaching. She's in their early 40s. I mean, let's look at the top coaches. They're they're all older. The- Tara Vanderveer's 60s. Vivian Stringer's 70s. Gino's in his 60s. 60s. Yeah. And, you know, it, I just I just think that I, I agree with, with Coach Barnes when she says that more WNBA players – need to go back and coach in the college game. Maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be at the university they played for, but they need those role models. Well, you have, you're going to have Kara Lawson at uh, uh, That's Duke. awesome. She's going to be like you know. Coach Barnes with that uh, inspirational emotion. Yeah. Uh, but um, for a lot of WNBA players, former players, are heading into the NBA ranks to yep. coach, which, yep. hey, that's great. But That's great, yeah. but, I mean, it is, it's huge strides, but. Yeah, I would like to see more more former WNBA players Agree. coach in, Agree. The, in the college ranks. Because, it, you know, you just need that. You need those role models for, for young women and that passion and that drive. And Well, you had we three women out of the four yep. coaching in the final four. Yep. And then you had two women going against each other in the in national championship. championship. So, yep. and it was uh, to me, I was watching that game. I was kind of like, "This is like the changing of the guard." Like you've a little got, bit. You've got Coach Vanderveer, who's just an incredible coach, and I think she will coach until the day she's put into the ground. And then you have Coach Barnes, who's sort of your your up and coming up and coming um, coach, and just what she's done at Arizona is unbelievable. So, well, Ari- I I, th- I want to go back to. You know, we were talking about uh, UConn and Arizona. Mm-hmm. You had 
UConn who plays in the Big East and you have Arizona that plays in the Big 12. And I don't think UConn... Pac-12. I'm sorry, Pac-12. <laughs> and I don't think UConn has encountered a defense like that, like Not Arizona, that, that caliber of Arizona. But Arizona's used to playing uh, Stanford. Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. Oregon State. Uh, yeah, so... I just think it was a higher caliber play of defense, and UConn did not handle it. Yeah, and it, they were just fast. And and Ari McDonald had an incredible game. You know, nobody can doubt Arizona anymore. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Should so we talk they about on, the- they went on in, into the championship game. They took on Stanford. This is the third time yes. that they've met. I believe the the first game Stanford won by like. 30 the second game they won by like 25 so going into this game i was like i don't know but then i was like but arizona is really quick and stanford yeah. plays this orchestrated role and but if I- they can shut down those stanford players or stanford forwards they have a chance and then people stepped up for stanford yeah i mean i have some quick stats about that Let's so go. uh if you look at you know you've said they've played three times mm-hmm so Stanford has done all three of those times an excellent job uh, defensively against McDonald. Uh, they held her to a combined 11 of 43 <laughs> in those games. I'm sorry, yeah. in the first two meetings. Uh, you know, they in, in, the, in the championship game, she heaved shot after shot. She, the first half, she was missing. Uh, at halftime, she was two of eleven yeah, with only, five points yep. and one of nine of contested shots. So yep. they really, they have her number. They know how to shut her down. Yep. But she's off her game, obviously. But after halftime, she sort of came alive. Yes, and I'm not really sure what happened with Stanford. I mean, there there were several times. There were at least twice that Stanford was up by twelve points, and they just could not put the dagger in it and you know it comes back to the emotion and the inspiration and the never giving up type of attitude that Arizona had and then when McDonald started to hit in the second half I well, was like, she this also is started going to get fun she also started drawing fouls yes and she was hitting free throws and that's that's the key that's a key so yeah so they went on and it got down to the last minute of play Stanford was up by what five points i believe they were up by five points and then arizona started crawling back next thing you know you've got four seconds on the clock arizona (laughs) has the ball in their end of the court and um down by one point 54 53 ari mcdonald gets the ball obviously triple teamed immediately and just couldn't get the ball to anybody open heaved up a shot that actually almost went in and Stanford walks away with the championship, their first one since 1992, and which is, you know, a really long time, like 29 years. Yeah. <laughs> 92, <laughs> I graduated high school. Yeah. So, <laughs> so 1992, and Tara Vanderveer has her third national title. Uh, Stanford has her third national title. Uh, it's the first Pac-12 title since 1992 so yeah it was a uh, quite an exciting game it was really down to the wire I was indifferent on who won I, I kind of wanted the underdog but I love Stanford and I love coach Vanderveer so much that um, I, I was very happy for them as well now even though 
Stanford really harassed <laughs> McDonald, she still had 22 points in that game. Um, she had almost 20 points in the second half alone. Yeah. And I want to say probably 12 of those were in the fourth quarter. because uh, she... 11 points in each half. Oh, see, look at that. I was so close. I got the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so she was really, she really took over. And, you know, I get it. She's your, your top tier player. I did feel like she was rushing a bit. I felt like there were a few times when she took some shots that were just low percentage shots. She was trying to. She was really trying to win that game for her team. Yeah. Which, which, you know, I get. I get that. I get that from, you know, being a point guard player and, you know, being the one that the team relies on to score. Um, you know, I wish there were some, some opp- she had some opportunities to give the ball up a couple times, but whatever. I mean, she's a dynamite player. It was a great game. Arizona should not hang their head in shame at all. Not at all. Nobody predicted this. Nobody predicted this at all. And I believe we jokingly said, watch Arizona win it all. And they were about... One point from winning. They were about (laughs) seven inches from winning it all. (laughs) You know, so I want to go back to to Stanford. Um, So the MVP of the tournament Mm -hmm. was... uh, um, Haley Jones, sophomore Haley Jones. Who's totally stepped up. She's the reason they won that championship. I was glad that she got most outstanding player. I didn't know this about her, but she was the number one recruit in the class of 2019. Had a bad knee injury in her freshman year. So I think she was out for a while, came back, and now she's the most outstanding player. She, between her defense and how she just... If you watch that game and you just watch how she just got open and went to the open spots on the floor to get the ball, she's she's a smart basketball player. Well, she's a smart basketball there's player. There's been a lot of Stanford greats, as we know, uh, but only three have won the uh, Most Outstanding Player Award at the Final Four. Center for AZ. 1990. Sonia Henning. Uh, nope. Uh, Molly Goodenborg, oh, 92. Yes. Okay, that's right. And... Now, Haley Jones. Nice. So, I, I think Jones' big moment was that jump shot she took with 32 seconds left. That was that proved to be the winning point. Yep. So, yeah, she really just between her whole game, I thought was really yep. good. It was really good. I yeah, very impressed by her. Um, definitely deserved most valuable player. In uh, typical, I-, I think, Stanford fashion, she very intelligently talked about how, like, her whole team deserved it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, the orchestra. Yeah, the orchestra. Um, but, yeah, I-, I couldn't have done it without my bassoons and my clarinets. But, you know, I think there could have been a case for uh, McDonald's winning most valuable player. I think she could have. Um, like a Don Staley, you know, yeah. losing the championship but still winning MVP. Yeah, I, that's so rare. That's so rare. But I, mean, I, I think she, you know, I, I just see most valuable player. I mean, that girl had her team on her back. She did. <laughs> and she got them seven inches from a national title. Yep. So, yeah, it was quite a tournament for both men and women. Uh, lots of upsets. We really enjoyed it from start to finish. Um, and that wraps up the NCAA college basketball for 2021. Of course, there's no uh, picks for. The women. women. So I, I couldn't tell you that. UConn. <laughs> uh, next year, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a battle. Uh, UConn, South Carolina. I agree. UConn, South Carolina. And I, I hate to say it, but I think UConn might win another championship The other next one year. we can't rule out is Maryland. They're not young feeling too. it. I know not you're not. feeling it. I know you're not. 
but I, I still love my Maryland and my Brenda Freeze. So on to the WNBA. We've got the draft coming up, moving from the NCAA championship to the WNBA. And Dallas has three, like eight, pi- three 8, picks. 8,000 picks in they the first three round. Picks three picks in the top five. Yep, three picks. In the top five. Yeah. So obviously, number one, they're going to take Charlie Collier from Texas. I mean, that would be my pick. <laughs> and if I think that don't take her. Yeah. Uh, I, they need to just be removed from the WNBA. Uh, I don't that's know. My you know, I'm not sure who they're going to pick with the second pick. So, you know, the prediction is, is that Ari McDonald is going to go as the second pick. I don't see her going that high. I know you are hype biased. I, well, here's <laughs> the thing. I just don't think her game is quite refined enough for the WNBA. When you have players, when you have players that are, I don't want to say don't want to distribute the ball because she does distribute the ball, that they try to do too much. They just don't do well in the WNBA. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't see her going as number two. But the thing is, is that Dallas really does need a point guard. So, well, there's a couple other point guards that are up there. You got Dana Evans from Louisville. Uh, Chelsea Dungy is a shooting guard, but you got Kiana Williams from Stanford. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I just see, I don't see her going at number two, but the prediction is, is that she's going to go number two. I don't see it either. I see top 10, maybe top five. Okay. But I don't see it. So who do you, who do you have is, uh, for Atlanta? For Atlanta? I'm the number three pick. I really like, and I don't know if if she'll get drafted, but I really like um, Ariel Ariella Garantis from Rutgers. She's a shooting guard. I really like her. And let's face it, Rutgers players who get drafted in the WNBA tend to do really well because they're coached well. Yep. Um, I really, I mean, if I had that number three pick, that's who I would grab. Um, I have her going forward to Indiana. I think Indiana needs a strong shooting guard. I like Garantis as well. I think she's going to have a great career in the WNBA. And, uh, she's just, got the right style game. And just look at the number of Rutgers players who are in the WNBA or have played in the retired from the WNBA it's, who have done really well, really, really careers. well. And it just is a testament to Stringer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, I can see three or four. Um, I, You know who I like that has dropped a little bit in the rankings, but... I think it's just because of her her postseason performance, and it, I can't necessarily say it was her fault. It was Renia Davis from Tennessee? Yeah, small forward. Yep, I, I really do like her. Um, I like I, Chelsea Dungy from Arizona, from Arkansas. You know, it, I have her going seven to Dallas because they. I mean, Dallas needs a little bit of everything, but um, I think that that is the steal of the draft. Yes, I agree. I really I think like her game. Chelsea Dungy is going to become a superstar. They're the reason in the Arkansas beat UConn this season. Yep, in the regular season. Yep. The other person that I really like, I really like Kiana Williams as well. And um, I think if you need a point guard, I honestly would take Kiana Williams over McDonald. I would. But she's not. She's not a natural point guard. I think she's a, more of a shooting guard. But I mean, I I think she could. She she's could try from Stanford. It. She's got the brain to yeah. learn. <laughs> um, the other one that I think is is a bit low in the predictions for the draft is Dee Dee Richards. Yeah, I saw her second round. I think I saw. I prediction. see her going to Vegas. They need shooting guards. They have the twelfth pick. What about Dejounte Carrington from Baylor? Where do you see she's a shooting guard from Baylor? I see her going top 10. I don't think so. 
I think she's going to go lower than that. I think Dee Dee Richards is going to go. I, honestly, I would take Dee Dee Richards in the top the top ten for sure. Maybe the top five, depending on what people need. What but, pick do the Liberty have? Six. Hmm. They're going to take Finland because they always take a foreign player. It's pretty. Look at their history. <laughs> like they usually take some sort of random oh, that... foreign player. The one, um, Awa Kyer. She is six five. I know, but that. She plays in Europe. I would take Jasmine Walker over her. <laughs> I mean, from Alabama. I mean, she's oh, a dynamite yeah. player. Yep. She's dynamite. I would yeah. take her. No, you're right. The Liberty do take a lot of... They do. They do. I mean, in the most oh. recent um, uh, player rankings, Ari McDonald went from nine to three. Wow. Which I, I just don't I just don't see. Is it because she's only 5'6"? No. I just don't think her style of play is right for the WNBA. I mean, she's, here's the thing. If she can, if she can become a distributor and learn how to see the lanes a little bit better, then I think she could do it. But I'm not, I don't know where her game's going to progress to. But right now, I don't see her as, as a number two pick at all. I don't. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't see her as a number two pick either. You know who I think is is totally forgotten about is uh, Sierra Johnson from Connecticut. uh, I'm sorry, uh, from Texas A&M. Yep. I think Nadea Jones is also forgotten about uh, from Texas A&M. And Destiny Slocum. Can somebody please pick up (laughs) Destiny Slocum from Arkansas? Like, I, I just... I, can I just tell you, I loved the Arkansas team this year. I would take anybody from Arkansas. I, I just... I mean, I know, yeah, they beat UConn. That was that was a good game. That was a great game. Um, Yeah, I, I love just, Arkansas. I just don't see... And Destiny Slocum, they have ranked as number 24, um, which would put her around in the Atlanta pick. Um, I just... I think she's going to do well. I think she's going to do well. I think she's got a nice game. I don't, you know... So we think... Avina the- Westbrook is also a good option from UConn. But Dee Dee Richards, to me, I think is a little bit of a sleeper. And I think um, Chelsea Dungey. Those are my two sleepers. I agree with you on Dungey. I I, I, I think I, she's not going to go as high as she should. Baylor lost the, the game in the regional final because of Dee Dee Richards. I mean, what she can do for a team, she can distribute the ball. She can shoot the ball. She plays good defense. I think she's a very well-rounded player. She just needs to tame herself a little bit. She gets a little bit wild, but I think that that kid's got a got a nice future uh, All right. in the pro leagues. Okay. Do you want to see my my list? No. Okay. I don't. Sure. I have a Not nice really. printout of the player rankings. That probably brings me up to your notes because it's about six pages. So yeah. So the oh, WNBA draft six is- pages of player rankings. Oh, yeah. God, I have six pages of notes. See, there you go. My see? WNBA draft is one quarter of a page oh i only talked about the top five picks yeah no i i you know there's there's tons of tons of players um they this is the top 100 um i just yeah Garantis, I, I think is gonna have an excellent professional career well, she's a rutgers grad we all do well just look at her game her game <laughs> is <laughs> done so well just look at her game her game is just is built for for the professional level and she's um, very well coached dana evans you can't leave out dana i evans like dana evans uh yeah I, I think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be fun i think it's gonna be yep, fun but it's gonna be virtual again this year which is fine i mean chelsea perry's out there too yep. from tennessee martin um yeah 
So yeah, so the WNBA draft is coming up. Uh, it is it is quickly approaching. We'll be virtual again. If Dallas does not take Charlie Collier, they need to just get rid of Dallas because that kid. It's kind that of like kid is a game changer, like Elena Deladone or Brittany Griner. Like that yeah. kid can completely change a team. Dallas has three picks. Atlanta's got one pick. Indiana's got one. I think everybody else kind of has one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I see. I see. Dungy as my sleeper, and I also see Dee Dee Richards. She could potentially go to Seattle or Las Vegas, and I think she's going to be a sleeper too. Those are those are my two WNBA sleeper predictions to kick off the season. They just unveiled their new uniforms too. Have you checked them out? I have. They're pretty fancy. Yeah, they're pretty fancy. I like them. I like them. They're a little bit retro, I think, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. they're they're also unveiling a new logo too, aren't yes. they? Yes. Yes. Which, in my opinion, should be Candace Parker. Yeah. in that logo but that's okay that's for another day that's neither here nor there <laughs> the nfl oh yes we're done Let, let's close the book on basketball, basketball. we're going to close the book on hoops the nfl the draft is a few weeks away we had a major shift and i think how the draft is going to go all i have to say is sam darnold being poor zach moved. wilson <laughs> There is no doubt in my mind that the Jets take Zach Wilson. And the best thing that ever happened to Sam Darnold was getting traded to the Panthers. Uh, 100%. <laughs> that guy is going to go off. That guy is going to go off this year. Just just wait. So he goes off to the Panthers. The Jets get some some picks for, for that. And they, they did they get a player? No, just picks. Nope, and, just uh, picks. Picks and some money nope. or something. They got three selections, I think, for Darnold. Perfect. Good enough. Jets need all the help they can get. But poor Zach Wilson, his career is now over. Um, I really like him, too. Unfortunately, he got, you know, he's going to get drafted to a quarterback-killing team. Absolutely. But maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not a firm believer in the Jets being able to turn it around with their current general management, but that is neither here nor there. I've talked about it a lot. I see three, uh, three quarterbacks going for three picks. Trevor, Zach, and I see Mack going to the 49ers. I see Trask. Mm. I disagree. Mm. That's fine. I we, think Mac's going to drop a little bit. He's going to go top 10. But the 49ers need a quarterback. Yeah, and they're going to take Trask. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see Trask. Why do you see Trask? Because I think he's the better quarterback over Mac. But does Mac he fit just, the Mac, 49ers Mac system? Mac Jones just was, he's a talented guy, but he was lucky to be in a really talented system. And and let's look at Alabama quarterbacks. I know it's true. It's true. I don't. I don't see it. You know. And Trask comes from was it South Dakota, University of South Dakota. Trask and, comes from Florida. Oh, not Trey Lance. Is that what I'm you're sorry. thinking of? I'm thinking of Trey Lance. I'm totally Trey confusing Lance their from name. North Dakota State. Uh, you know that's yes, that I could see that more. Not. Than I'm sorry. Tra I'm like Trask. What are you? Smoking, no, I don't Lisa? like Trask. I don't think he's he should get drafted. Food today? Like what's going on? Here? It, I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> um, yes, I am totally messing up my names. Um, Trask from Florida is terrible. I don't think he should get drafted. He has no arm strength. <laughs> Let me go on to say Trey Lance from you, North Dakota, North State. Dakota State should go number three because those those like northern Midwestern states, they produce really good quarterbacks. So I just I mean, you got I mean, your boy. Josh Allen is from Wyoming. right? I, I know, but I, I don't know that he necessarily fits in the San Francisco way. 
I'm not sure he does. I think Mac Jones fits better. It doesn't mean that it's going to be life-changing for the 49ers, but what it does mean is that I think he fits the system. I think right. he fits okay. the system well, we, better. We agree to disagree. Yes, we're agreeing to disagree. I think Justin Fields is going to be a total boom or bust. He's going to go down a bit. Um, well, the Patriots, I don't see the Patriots taking a quarterback. Well, can we go back to no. the Panthers? You're, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know if Darnold is the answer for them at the quarterback situation, but they missed out on Matt Stafford, uh, Deshaun Watson. That's a whole other story because you were saying Watson was going to go to Carolina, but with everything coming out, that's no. not going to happen. Um, so Sam Darnold's going to take over in Carolina, obviously at quarterback. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's they gave him permission to seek a trade elsewhere. Um, do you know where I think Bridgewater's going to end up? Where Bridgewater is going to end up in New Orleans. Sean Payton loves Bridgewater. Uh, you know he's he's going to fit into that locker room. Um, the the Saints haven't really invested much in Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston so they won't they're not making big money so to speak uh Bridgewater I think they could pick up easily as a quarterback um I think they need a quarterback because they don't have Drew Brees I don't think Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston is the answer at quarterback um I think he's gonna go to New Orleans that's a good fit. I think that's a good fit uh, for New Orleans. I because could see that. Remember how Bridge, how well Bridgewater did when yep. Drew Brees got injured and he yep. came in. He did yep. really well. In I New could Orleans. see. I could see that working out really nicely for New Orleans and for Teddy Bridgewater. Because I, I don't think, think that's a nice that's Taysom a nice Hill fit. and and Jameis Winston. They're not your starters. I just don't see that happening. No, we and know I, how well J, uh, Jameis and Winston does. <laughs> I mean, Taysom Hill did great, but I don't think he it's sustainable. No, no, because he's just kind of a wild card. Teams yep. didn't know what to expect from him. Right. Um, I, I say keep him on in the role he has been playing because I think he's effective in that. Mm-hmm. But they need a starting quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater did a really nice job with uh, filling in for Drew Brees. I think it's a good fit. And they don't they haven't spent a lot of money on either Hill or Winston. They don't make big quarterback money. Right. So they could probably, they could keep both of them and have Bridgewater as a starter. Yeah. Winston as the uh, backup. And then I mean Hill is kind of both he can do kind of multi stuff. So you could even you could put him on as a QB wide receiver, whatever. I I agree. I think Bridgewater that's a that's a nice fit. That's a nice fit there. I agree with that. I mean New Orleans has to do something because their rival Tampa Bay just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they so, definitely need to do they something. Need to, they need to make some sort of move, and I think quarterback's a big one. I yeah. So right. they and have I, to. Honestly, I'd like Teddy Bridgewater, and the fact that he came back from that knee injury—that knee injury was brutal. Um, oh, it was brutal. I'd like to see him do well. I think he'll do well in a setting like New Orleans. Yep, I agree. And I mean, he's done well. He's done well there. So Absolutely, I feel like yeah. I feel like he fits the system. Uh, yeah, I think that's a nice fit. Thank you. That's a nice fit. Thank I you. like that fit. Who do you see for going back to the draft? Um, who do you see New or- uh Not New Orleans. New England taken. Well, I-, I think New England might have to take a wide receiver 
because uh, Edelman, Julian Edelman's not going to play ne- next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 35 years old. He started with the Patriots in 2009. He's had knee injuries his whole career. Uh, he was limited to six games last season because of his knee injuries. He really wants to go for 2021. Um, but I was looking at uh, the Boston Herald was reporting that uh, you know, that he's gone under procedures on his knees, but it's they're just really sort of to alleviate the symptoms right. that his knees are not going to be able to handle a season. Right. Um, do you... So with Edelman, I think he makes a pretty big salary, doesn't he? He makes... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, his salary, his salary is pretty high. So, I mean, do you see, I guess the question comes down to... Is it Smith or is it Chase? Because to me, those two, or even Waddle, I mean, those three. I think any of them, but they've, there's a lot of talent at there's wide receiver in the draft. And I think out. with this information about Edelman, they've got to they've got to get a wide receiver. They've already made their commitment to quarterback. They signed Cam Newton to another year. Yes. So they've got to give him somebody to throw to. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm on the fence between tight end and wide receiver for the for the Patriots. Um, well, who's their tight end? Who's their tight end last year? I don't know. So that means that it's nobody. It wasn't Gronk. No. <laughs> and I think they've realized how important having a good blocking and receiving tight end is to protecting that quarterback. And I've talked about this in the past, but I think the tight end position has become one of the most important positions I on a team. I completely agree. So. I think they could go with Kyle Pitts. Oh, I like Kyle Pitts. So, and I think Kyle Pitts would fit beautifully into the Patriots But program. will he be there? Oh, they, they have the fourth pick. The Patriots have the fourth pick. They, they do. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they have the fourth pick. Oh, he'll so, be there. And so I'm, that's why I'm thinking it's going to be quarterback, 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 and then I'm on the fence between Pitts or... Uh, what's his name? Chase from LSU. Mm. I- I'm on the fence between those two. I, I could see. It. I just think that they. But here's the, the other thing: be smart to take a tight end. Belichick but, loves to throw curveballs and draft guys like an offensive lineman. Yeah, so <laughs> you can't read the man's mind. Um, I don't. I but I think, in my opinion, they have to pick someone that Nam- uh, Newton can throw to. I like which the, could be Pitts. I like the Pitts idea because he is he can block, he can catch. Like, and the thing is, like Newton does not have the arm that he used to have. No. So if you have a chase that's going 20, 30 yards down the field, Newton's never going to get close to him. Mm-mm. He's just not. And if you line up Pitts on the right side, which we've determined that <laughs> Cam Newton likes to throw like seventy percent of his balls to yeah. the right side because he can't go across his body to the left side as well. Uh, probably anymore. we can't either. No, I know I can't. I can barely go. Oh wait, to the right I can. Side. I'm a lefty. Yes, there you go. Okay. So, um, I see Pitts being a good blocker, mm-hmm. and I see him dropping out into the flat. He, he I fits see that do- Gronkowski mode model That's of tight what I'm end. Saying. I think Pitts could be a pick for them. I think that would be the smart pick, but again, Belichick likes They're going to take an offensive lineman. <laughs> from some Division two school C-well. in, <laughs> in yeah, the Midwest. It won't even be Sewell. It'll be like uh, somebody way down the line that everybody's like, oh, that's a second round pick? Um, yeah, like Dickerson from Alabama. I mean, he's good. but uh, Or Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Yeah, like, I, I mean, 
Belichick, he's kind of a mad genius. You never know what he's going to do. You never do. You never do. But yes, I, I, you know, I think last year it showed the importance of having a strong tight end. Yes. And I think that that is going to impact their draft selection this year. I agree with that. So I, I agree the Edelman thing may throw a little curveball in there, but when you've if got they, a quarterback now, like Cam Newton and there's so many wide receivers. Here's the thing. So many. Edelman, I don't, I think, I think with his knee issues, he's done. He's done. I think do he's going to retire. Do you cut him or do you try to trade him? Try to make him retire. Give him a nice little package. Is there a team that might take the bait for Edelman? I don't think so. I really don't. Other than maybe Chicago. <laughs> I don't think so because he's got a history of injuries. People know his past. He hasn't, I don't think he's played a full season in the past three or four years. Right. So if you kind of look at his history, it's kind of like, dude, you know, we'll just ride you out cleats or go take up golf. Like, and the thing is, you know, with this, this new report coming out of the Boston Herald about how his knee surgeries really just alleviate the symptoms and are not solving the problem. That's major. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think the Patriots say to him, you know what? Maybe you should retire. If not, we're probably going to cut you. Yeah. Because I, we need that cap space. Yep. Because I, I would I say think, let him go out with glory. Yeah, let him retire. Got, uh, he accounts for $6.1 million against the cap next season. Yeah. I think just retire. I give, agree. Give him a Bobby Bonilla deal. <laughs> a Bobby Bonilla deal. And 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 let that go. So yeah, so the draft is is coming up in a couple weeks, right? Yep. So I yeah. I wanted to mention something about uh your boy Josh Allen. Yes. So he obviously was the most improved player in the NFL mm-hmm. last year. Uh he's a franchise quarterback for mm-hmm. Buffalo. Um and I think that uh he's the reason why they made it so far last year. I agree. Basically, he's heading into the final year of his rookie contract. Yes. <laughs> Josh Allen has come out and said that uh, whatever happens, happens. Uh, he wants to he wants to be locked down in Buffalo for a very long time. Yes. But does that necessarily mean that if Buffalo doesn't give him the money, will he see what else is out there? I mean, he's... I don't know. think so. I think that... I think he understands the Buffalo, the the Bills Mafia. I think he understands the support that he has there, not just from the team, the respect that he's gained from the team, but you know, from the fans as well in the community. I think he's a he's a he's he a lifer. understands that, and I, I think agree. he's a lifer. Um, you know, he didn't cry when he was selected by Buffalo, like Jim Kelly, and he was a lifer and beloved by Buffalo fans. So I feel like I feel like the Bills are the Bills are not going to mess around with him. Like they understand his importance and they understand his value to the team and to the community and the franchise and the club. So I feel like they are going to give him you know not 100% what he wants, but maybe they will if well, it's I realistic. Mean, he, he was just quoted in a, a recent interview. He said it Buffalo's a place he calls home. I love the fan base. I love the city. Everything I want is there. He's like, you know, we'll, if they call and want to talk tomorrow, I'm totally willing. Yeah. I, I, I think... They uh, should wrap it up before the season starts. Yes, I agree. And I think... Take that distraction out of the game. I think Josh Allen needs to become one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the I NFL. I agree. I think uh, I was looking. Jared Goff is fifth among highest paid quarterbacks. It's $33.5 million He per should season. be above Goff. I think that's where Allen's got to start. 
if they're looking I at agree. numbers. Um, he's not Mahomes level. He's not. No, he's not going to get Mahomes money. But, but he's definitely above golf. And I think Buffalo needs to give it to him. They will. They uh, will. He deserves it. They uh, absolutely will. And he's already said that he wants to play in Buffalo. Yep. How many other people do want to play in Buffalo? Yeah, no, not many. <laughs> not many want to play in Buffalo. So yeah, I, I'm. They need to just wrap it up before the season starts. I, I hope they do. I hope they do wrap it up. I, I, I think they will. I get the feeling Buffalo will wrap it up, and I get the feeling they'll do the right thing by Allen and give him the money what he, he deserves. deserves. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I think they will. They understand. The I don't value think he he's going to be too greedy either. I don't think he's going to be like I want more than Patrick Mahomes. I think he's, he's not that type of temperament. I don't think. No. no. So yeah. I, I think that's. I agree. I think he's going to resign mm-hmm. with Buffalo. They just need to do the right thing. Yeah, I, and they will. I, I definitely, definitely think that they will do the right thing. And I think that my hope is that they just wrap it up before the season starts. So it doesn't become a distraction during the season. Because you know that's all the media is going to talk about. Is is this the last time we see Allen and Diggs play together? No. Mm-hmm. Just wrap it up before the season starts. So yeah. I, I'm I'm excited about about you know, the future with the Bills for sure. Do you have anything else on uh, NFL? I do not. Should we switch on gears to the uh, bat and ball Major League Baseball? I, I think we do. I think uh, San Diego needs a, is, has a lot to worry about. Because Fernando Tatis Jr., he left Monday night's game in obvious pain after he swung the bat. Uh, And he has the GM said that he has a slight tearing in his labrum, but there's no damage to his rotator cuff, does not require surgery, and will be back soon. So all of that is red flags. All of that is false. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the deal. When you start messing with, you know, labrums and shoulders. For for us anatomy um, idiots, what is the labrum? Is it a muscle? It's a... I think it's a tendon. Okay. I think it's a tendon. I don't know. Did you hurt yours when you had shoulder surgery? I just had rotator cuff injuries. Um, I, I just think that... Them coming out and saying he's going to be back soon is a total red flag. I mean... Does not require surgery. Let's just go back to Chad Pennington, switch gears (laughs) to football, who tore his rotator cuff like I did and came back within like four months of the surgery. And I immediately said he's going to tear it again. And I think within like four games, he tore it again. Don't mess with the shoulder. You can't mess with the shoulder. It's not his throwing arm, though. I I still... But it's his, it's his lead arm for swinging then, right? Yeah. So that's where I think that there could be a little bit of an issue. It is his glove hand. Okay. But he's also just... had a history of shoulder problems. And I think during the spring training, he exited a game early because he, he shoulder. did something. Yes, yeah. he dislocated. And uh, I agree with you. <laughs> I think this is dangerous. It's so early in the season. I hope that they give him enough rest. I don't think they will. I think they're going to rush him back because they're paying him a ton of money. Didn't he just get a huge contract? He did. He did. But and they they desperately want to beat the Dodgers. I know, but it's April. The season is a week old. I, I agree with you, but I'm Hold just saying. Hold until the All-Star break and then bring him back. Let him do the second half of the year. The Padres are still going to be there with the Dodgers. It's still going to be tight. And, and I just think. Just bring him back then because then he's going to be totally healthy. He's going to be 100% and they're going to take off. 
I agree with you, but I don't know if the Padres going to end up gonna... back at, at the end of April. I, I think gonna he's going to be like Chad Pennington and come back too early. Yep. Um, yep. I, I hope that's not the case because uh, I, I love him. I think he's a phenomenal player. His dad was a great player too. Uh, but yeah, I I, um, I hope that's not the case. I, I hope that I hope that it really is as minor as they're Cause saying. Because I think that if, if you have a tear in something oh, in your body, I mean, I feel like that requires a lot of rest and possibly surgery. It does. I think it, it, it just depends. It's I mean, I'm not a doctor, obviously, so I don't know, but... I'm looking up the labrium. Oh. What is a labrium tear? Well, L-A-B-R-U-M. Yep. It makes it <laughs> difficult to function with the arm that is affected. Let's see. Does it have anything to do with the rotator cuff? No. Okay. I don't think it does. Because he does not have Most damage. Most times it will heal on its own with proper treatment oh. for about right. four to six weeks. Grinding. I have grinding all the time in my shoulder. Does it cause as much pain as he obviously was in when he hit, oh, hit the yeah. ground? Anytime you tear anything, it's just, yeah, it just hurts. Okay, so four to six weeks. So that would be mid, that would be like Memorial Day. He'll be back. All right. I still well, think it's early. But anyway, let's here's hope hoping that for that's the best. really what it is. I, I hope that it is the best. Um, Can we mention the Cincinnati Reds? The Cincinnati Reds? What is going on with them? Can I Can I just ask, like, where did they come from? They've scored 25 runs in 24 hours. Their offense is set them to be 5 and 1 so far to the 2021 season. When what what happened? Where did they come from? They're leading and the can NL. Can they sustain it? No. They're leading the <laughs> NL in runs scored. Uh their slash line is uh 314, 396, 560 as a team. That's uh insanity. Let's see. Their their lineup as a collective has hit like numbers that are MVP category. Their and that's their their just their entire lineup. Uh let's see. They I don't see them sustaining it at all. Like <clears throat> at all well central to this has been uh nick castellanos he already has four home runs on the season uh he's batting 435 uh just like to point out i had him in my fantasy team <laughs> and i dropped him that's that's all i'd like to say i mean on can that. he sustain those no, numbers right, i don't well, see it so they're scoring uh better than one run per hour holy cow that's right 25 and 24 hours they are atop the nl central standings that's what is the world ending like the reds like they took they took two or three from the cardinals um you know last year it was an abbreviated season they had a winning record um they made it to the playoffs the first time since like 2013 um yes they did lose uh trevor bauer um, and their exp- expectations were low coming into 2021. Uh, but I think they still have some really good talent. They do. And if it can, if their pitching can stay healthy, they have Tyler Molly. They got Sonny Gray. Um, I think if they can keep them them healthy, I think the NL Central is a division that they could win. Um, I think that if they can keep this up or maybe even half of this up, I think they have a good shot. But I'm just really impressed by them so far. They've been fun to watch. They've been a lot of fun to watch. And I love that rivalry of St. Louis-Cincinnati. Yeah, that's a nice rivalry. It was a good fight the other day. Yep. 
Yeah. Now there was, was that good fight. Yeah. Yes. And that was Castellanos. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Who said that, you know, even if Molina punched him, he still would have asked him for a signed jersey, <laughs> which I think is totally awesome. So, yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely impressed with Cincinnati. I'm really surprised by Cincinnati. I see it lasting another two weeks and then they'll be right where they were predicting. But I do enjoy that they're giving the Cardinals a run for their oh, money. Oh, it's fun. Oh, and I actually have some interesting trivia. Oh, trivia, trivia. I need a trivia button. You do. We need to work on that. So trivia. White Sox, Jose Abreu already has two glam, grand glam slams. <laughs> grand, well, they are glamorous. <laughs> grand slams in 2021. So he already has two grand slams in this, this young season. Mm-hmm. Now he could keep it going. So there's a, the all-time record. He He's on pace to take it. So the all-time record is six Grand Slams in one season. Eddie Murray. (laughs) I told you the answer not that long ago. Oh, I don't remember. All right. So the record is shared by Don Mattingly and Travis Hafner. Six Grand Slams. Wow. Uh, Don Mattingly did it in 1987, and Travis Hafner did it in 2006. So Jose Abreu already has two. And so he's. if you look at the pace set by Mattingly and Hafner... He's well ahead of it. So if he continues this, maybe he'll break that record. I didn't even know that record existed, but it does. So. Of course it, that record exists. <laughs> <laughs> There's a record for everything. How many times did somebody spit their chew <laughs> while standing on first base um, when it's raining? <laughs> yeah, but I would have never guessed Don Mattingly and Travis Hafner. That's... Travis Hafner. Travis Hafner, I could see. Don Mattingly surprising to me. Hafner's one of those guys that I think if he didn't get so many injuries, he oh, would have had, had a Hall a re- of Fame yeah. career. He was a good, liked he was him. A good so, player. I liked him a lot, just too. Just was injured a lot. Hey, can we talk about the Astros really fast? Oh, the poor Astros. He feels so bad for them. <laughs> Said nobody ever other than I love Dusty Baker. They finally are getting the jeering they deserve. I'm so happy. And my so far, my favorite thing so far that has happened <laughs> is the blow-up garbage can that was tossed on the field in Anaheim, which I immediately saw and said, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Look, here's the thing. Dusty Baker's coming out and saying, stop. You know, he's concerned for player safety. Listen, do you want to know why there aren't giveaways that have batteries or hard objects when you walk into a stadium? Please ask the Yankees and the Red Sox. (laughs) Because there were times in the 80s where they gave out like this battery operated mascot or something. And people took, they put batteries in it and gave you batteries for it. And people took the batteries and <laughs> threw them at players in the outfield. Which could be quite a missile coming at your head. Yes. And why do you get mini bats now, you ask? <laughs> do you even have to ask? Because they used to give out full size bats. And I actually have one from my, my cousin got me one from ni- 1984 Yankees. And people would throw them on the field. Or hit each or other. Or hit each other with them. So, look, if they're if they're throwing blow-up garbage cans onto the field, it's like a beach ball. Who the hell cares? Well, uh, you read uh, what Dusty Baker's, what, what he, he said it was. He did. Yeah. And, and the, the, the thing that gets me, the thing that gets me, yeah, the Astros, Dusty Baker's tweet. So I'm going to read it for you. You can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in the stands. I think that sometimes we need to look at ourselves before you spew hate on somebody else. 
it's a sad situation for America to me when you hear things. I mean, what are the kids supposed to think in the stands? And some of them are kids that are following their parents. It's sad to me. People make mistakes. We paid for ours, oh. and I wish they'd leave it alone. Hey, Dusty, you didn't pay for your mistakes. You still have your World Series trophy. Well, Dusty wasn't part of that. No, but his team his paid team for their does. mistakes. Here's the thing. If Major League Baseball had done the right thing and stripped the Astros of the 2017 title and just leave it vacant, leave it vacant, I don't think this would be occurring as much and as, if you want to even say, badly. I also don't think this is going to stop until all those players are gone. And how have they paid the sacrifice? Every single coach that was hired and then fired because they were part of it are rehired. Are rehired. So where have they paid for it? They, they haven't have, paid for here's it the at thing. all. Dusty Baker, it, he basically says it's because of the moral decline in our society and that they've <laughs> atoned for their sins. Excuse me. That got me so amped up. Would I you settle cough. down, please? Yeah, Stop I'm running so around the room. <laughs> <laughs> Banging trash cans running around the room. <laughs> Lisa, we switch topics now. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't moral decline the moral I, decline I, is that they cheated and got away with it that's the moral that's decline. the moral decline it, I, don't get me wrong our society right now is on edge there's a lot of stuff going on within the american society but they cheated they were proven cheaters and they kept their world series and none of them really got suspended oh and big deal they lost their jobs for a year and oh, then got rehired Oh, so sorry if i cheated like that I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't still have my my contract. If this took place in like a beer league softball league, if a state if it was discovered that a softball team that won the championship won the case of Coors Light be gone, were cheating, they'd be banned. They would have to return that Coors Light. Yeah, it, it just full, full I, I'm, for Dusty Baker to take the moral high ground. I, and I say they don't. atoned for their sins. And look, I I respect Dusty Baker. I do too, I but not man, after this but this tweet. This is just too far fetched. Like, dude, just just let the fans. We didn't have the opportunity last year to boo them. Let them boo. And let nothing boom. they have done has hurt any player in any way. Maybe just their feelings. Oh, but suck it up, Buttercup. You make how you much make a money? Bajillion dollars a year. When a lot of people don't are have sh- jobs struggling. Yeah, they've lost their job. They don't have jobs. We're not going to get but, into that moral side. But yes, this I, is, I totally agree. I, but I agree with you 100%. This is entirely due to Major League Baseball not stepping up. Like, why did they take the soft road? I do, it's just don't When understand. they haven't taken the soft road on other issues. No, they haven't. They haven't. So yeah, so Major League Baseball, you screwed this up. You're the reason that this is still happening. Not due to the moral decline of society. And it's going to keep happening until all those players are gone. I love it. If I if I went to a, a Astros game. I'm actually looking to see when the Astros play in our area. Just so I can go boo them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. But, and let me just tell a quick story. Um, and then we can, we can switch over to the NHL really fast. The story is, is that it was probably 1998. 97, 98, I went to a Yankees-Red Sox game. And my parents and I, we went. So it was my mom, my dad, me. We all went up to Yankee Stadium. Did went you eat eight game. hot dogs? I did not eat eight hot dogs at this game. But Jose Canseco came up to bat. <laughs> and my mother tells this story, and it always made me laugh. Because my mom, 
you know, my mom, they, they raised me to be respectful and, you know, respect people and things like that. Jose Canseco comes up to bat. And this is how my mom would tell the story. Canseco came up to bat and the entire stadium starts booing. And the loudest one is my daughter sitting <laughs> next to me. <laughs> booing Jose Canseco as he gets to up, up to bat. And I just had to laugh because I didn't raise my daughter this way <laughs> to boo and be disrespectful in this way. And I think I did say to my mom, like, you know, sports is a different is a different type of respect. Like these people get paid millions of dollars. And, um, you know, it, it's like Nobody college likes athletes. a cheater. Like my, my feeling is like you never boo college athlete, athletics. And people have argued with me and said, yeah, but they're getting free scholarships. And I'm yeah, like, and well, I think well, do you actually go? you have yelled at me when I've booed I have. And athletes. I'm like, well, do you run into like, you know, the math wing and boo at them if they get a, pro- a problem wrong? Like sure, they're getting why not? free scholarships too. <laughs> To me, college athletics is different. Professional athletes, I am paying a ticket money and food money, which is going to the organization that is paying your salary. I have every right to boo you. Every right to boo you. If if you suck <laughs> or if you do something really stupid that makes the team look bad. Or you cheat. Or you cheat. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I, I'm going to boo you. Yep. So that that's my feeling on the professional athlete, athletics and booing. And um, if we do end up going to an Astros game this year, if we feel comfortable enough going to an outdoor baseball game, then um, I, I will be booing. And, um, and and I'm okay with that because they, they completely cheated. That's my rant for Major League Baseball. <laughs> NHL, we have a few minutes. Uh, <clears throat> I just want to mention just a couple quick things. Edmonton's won nine straight. Go Edmonton. Oh, my God, go Edmonton is right. Yes, but who's number one in the power rankings this week? Not Tampa Bay. Nope. The team I predicted all along to win the Stanley Cup. Colorado. Because they're healthy. McKinnon is playing, like, top of his game. This is really critical time, too, for the season. Completely, totally critical time. Um, Yeah, Colorado looks really, really good. They're 15-2-3 in their last 20 games. They're outscoring opponents 84-43 in that stretch. They're, they're really, if they can keep this going, I, I have to agree with you. I didn't disagree with you about Colorado. I mean, I, I thought Colorado is probably the best. Uh, Colorado, Tampa Bay, and Las Vegas were my three teams. Um, Edmonton, I feel like, is really starting to make a run. And don't forget the Hurricanes, who've moved, who are number three in the power rankings. Carolina, I felt, last year had every opportunity. Well, not opportunity. They could have won the Cup, uh, but they got hurt a lot. And that break really hurt a lot of teams. I mean, Boston, to me, was the best team in the NHL. We went on break last year because of the pandemic, and they didn't win. So I feel like I agree with you. I think Carolina's a good team as well. But Colorado, yeah. And the thing is, though, just because Tampa Bay got knocked out of the number one spot doesn't mean they're not still hanging around. Don't expect them to go away. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay will be there. there there's no doubt. In my my mind, that I am not there. feeling the Golden Knights because Mark Andre Fleury has not been good lately. That's okay. Uh, he's one and four with a eight eight nine save percentage. Um, they're still a good team, but I'm just not feeling it. With I, I feel like they're falling turn it a little around. bit. No, I'll turn it around. I disagree. <laughs> I, I feel like they're falling a little bit. Um, we had our first big trade before the uh, deadline, which involved my New Jersey Devils, who and are imploding. Well, can I just say they're going to become the Quebec Devils? I have three 
jerseys. I have Travis Zajac, I have Kyle Palmieri, and I have Pavel Zaka. I now only have one jersey that I, I still has player. a current player on it in Pavel Zaka. Good thing he's my favorite devil, but... Palmieri was a surprise to me. I'm, I'm sorry, Palmieri was not a surprise to no, me. Because Zaka was a total surprise to me. Not Zaka. Zajac. Zajac was a total surprise <laughs> <Z's>. to me. <laughs> um, Palmieri, his contract's up at the end of the year. So... I guess they traded that him. That made sense to me. Zajac, his contract's up so at the end of the year. So we got picks and a couple players, right? Uh, yeah, we got, I can tell you right now, we get forwards AJ Greer and Mason Jobst. Uh, they're whatever. Islanders first round pick for 2021 and a conditional fourth round pick in 2022. If the Islanders make the Stanley Cup final, the fourth round pick becomes a third round pick in 2022. Interesting. Well, I'm starting to feel like I'm going to become an Islanders fan because most of the Devils are on there now. Well, the old Devils don't like retire. Four. They go to, to Long the Islanders. Islanders. Yeah. I, you know, to me, that's been the, the biggest trade move so far. Um, you know, I, I think it's giving the Islanders some, some scoring uh, help because they lost Anders Lee. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul Mary can fill in for him you know i i think slotting palmieri in the islanders lineup maybe next to matt barzal uh is going to make them pretty dangerous in the offensive end uh zajac he's going to give you veteran experience um he's having a nice year this year um he's a former draft pick of lou lamarillo who is the gm of the islanders so you know, I, yeah, Blackhawks got uh, Henrik Bergstrom. Yeah, which I mean, that's a pretty big, that's pretty mm. big. But yeah, but I, 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 I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna miss Zajac and Paul Mary. Zajac was drafted by the Devils in 2004. I was hoping he'd retire a Devil. He just played his thousandth game with the Devils. Yeah, and Paul Mary's always been. I mean, he was drafted by the Ducks, but I think he's, he's always been, been a fan favorite. He's been with the Devils for most of his career. Yeah, you know, I just. Uh, I'm bummed. I'm bummed, but you know what? Let's see what happens. I, I honestly think that, you know, Devils fans are very tired of hearing, well, we're in a rebuilding year. We've been in a rebuilding year since the last time we were in the Stanley Cup, which was 2012. So we're pushing 10 years of being in a rebuilding year. And at, at this point, I we think got another two, three years. Easy. And I think there's more and more talk. And I'm not saying that Zajac and Palmieri were like it. Like, but I think losing them and losing that leadership does hurt. You just plucked out the heart of the Devils fans. Yeah. And I, and you know, uh, yeah, I hate to see him go. It makes, they make sense. I, I do wish because our team is so young that they held on to at least Zajac for a little bit of leadership. But because now look, it our, is what it is. Our guy that has the most experience on the team, our veteran is Damon Seaver. Person. Oh Christ! And if any Devil fan knows, we're all in trouble. Um, and then Miles Wood, they're like our I next love two. Miles, but yeah, yeah. You know, I just I, I'm really concerned that the Devils are going to move. I, I think I think that we're just we're going to move because I think, think about the it, we're, are we're be gone. cutting veterans, we're loading the team with young talent that will, if you keep them together as a core, will probably be good in two to three years. The Quebec Devils. I'm telling you, if they are New Jersey only has one professional sports team and that is the the Devils. I'm I have been a Devils fan since the very beginning. I love my Devils. If they leave New Jersey, I'm done. I will not root for them in Quebec or yeah. wherever they go. 
my second favorite NHL team are the Oilers. I will become a number one Oilers fan <laughs> if the Devils leave Jersey. But yeah, it's that so far has been the biggest trade um, that I that I've seen at least kind of go through. It'll be interesting to see what the next. There's going to be more. Twenty four hours. And they did extend the NHL season from May 8th, regular season from May eighth to May eleventh because of the covid issues okay and the, the games that have to be made up because stuff. the entire vancouver canucks organization has covid yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of a problem kind of so. a problem but yeah it's going to be a, an interesting few weeks as the season winds down and, and and playoff spots are are decided and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next day or so on the trades and yeah we're excited. We're excited to see what happens and, and where people go. Lisa's already depressed about the Devils leaving. I think they're going to... She's already I, I preached think, her uh, allegiance to Edmonton. I think at some point the Devils are going to trade our mascot, the New Jersey Devil. Yeah, probably. Because that's what it's come down to. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> NJ becomes QU. Uh, Quebec, the Quebec Devil. Just the wait. Quebec Devils, or Hartford could be Hartford too. The New Hartford Whalers. Yeah, there you go. Could be either one. So that's it for this week. Thank you for uh, listening. We had a uh, quite a bit of uh, sports topics to talk about. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Definitely do follow us um, on social media and also uh, check out our website www.timeoutgenlisa.com. And we hope everyone has a fantastic week. Enjoy all the moves that are, I think are going to be taking place and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Jen and Lisa. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anchor.fm slash timeoutjl and also on Spotify. <laughs>